Hello and thank you for listening. My name is James Schofield, founder and minister of James Schofield Ministries and the host of the James Schofield Ministries podcast. So this was going to be the uh, pre-Easter episode uh, covering uh, right at the source Jesus and uh, our crosses to bear. Uh, I'm still going to be going over that uh, next week or rather this uh, upcoming Saturday. Uh, However, because of uh, Easter and because I helped a uh, distant family member go home to the Lord, I wasn't able to uh, record a podcast soon enough. And uh, because of that, something touched my heart uh, over the weekend that I felt I needed to address uh, in this particular episode before uh, I cover uh, the crosses to bear episode. And that's... uh, that with Easter and uh, other holidays, uh, there are people who tend to have this view that there are uh, fair weather Christians or or just holiday Christians in that they only go to church on major holidays. So Easter, you know, Christmas, and that's the only time that they go to church. And uh, some people have this view that that makes them somehow less Christian or not even Christian at all. So I wanted to go over that and 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 really try to dig dig into that and figure out just really where this comes from and help disperse that particular notion of the fair weather Christian. So I'm going to dig right in, and I'm going to go over a few, uh, there's some few pieces of scripture that I want to go over, and then I'm also going to uh, talk about some history as well uh, that covers uh, people who aren't uh, the typical uh, Christians, or rather the typical uh, clergy uh, of Christianity, and kind of how that evolved, and and really just 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 really help, hopefully, get rid of the notion that people who only go to church on holidays aren't Christian or uh, some people call them even hypocrites. So right away, I'm not saying that church isn't important because church is absolutely important. The church that I go to, uh, we call ourselves a faith community because we say that faith is super important, but community is also super important. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Church is a very, very important and for most people a necessary thing in order to help not only learn about Christianity uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a learning process and you never stop learning to be a Christian. It's a constant process. Uh, It's also a way for you to share in Christ. So it's a way for you not only to even share in that joy, but even if you have times of sorrow and times of pain, the church is a community and that community is there to be with you in the good times and the bad. The community of a church are your neighbors and they might not even be your neighbors just down the street or next door to you. They could be neighbors across city lines uh, and then 
it goes even to these what people call holiday Christians or fair weather Christians. Those people coming to your church are also your neighbors. And that's something to keep in mind when you're thinking that these people might not necessarily be a true Christian or, you know, whatever view uh, you may have heard about these people who only come to church every once in a while. They are still your neighbors and they still share in joy and they still share in pain and whatever they have going on in their lives, they are coming to that church that day and you need to treat them as your neighbor. Going into scripture, there's a passage in Matthew. It's uh, Matthew uh, 18, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Now, there he doesn't say where two or three are gathered together in a building or in a church specifically. It just says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. So right there... Jesus does not specify that you have to be in a church in order for him to be with you. It just has to do with if two or three are there, he is there. I'm going to shift it a little bit and uh, go into a little bit of history because uh, not going to church uh, also can be shifted as well where uh, there were people in history who were members of uh, non-traditional form of uh, service. Um, And so it it goes to show that even people in the clergy might not necessarily be regular stereotypical members of the clergy. They could be people outside of it. And so uh, in the 1200s, uh, actually just before 1200, there was this influx of women into convents. There were thousands of women going into convents. So, you know, they ended up being overflowed, and that left no more room uh, for other uh, women to join. So here's what some some of these women did. Uh, What they would do is they formed... Uh, they pulled their money together and they bought these homes. And they formed small households, uh, typically made up of widows and single women. And uh, sometimes in the early years, there would also be married women who would come uh, to study and uh, read scripture and return home. So during this time, literacy wasn't exactly uh, widespread, but these particular women, they had a basic education, uh, they knew their how to read their languages, and at that time, uh, the Bible uh, was allowed to be translated into these languages, and they were allowed to be translated uh, strictly for, uh, you know, reading devotional, or, or helping to read your devotionals, or for evangelism, or basically making sure your neighbors were being Christian as well. And so these women, they pulled their resources, they got these homes, and they bought copies 
of scripture to read. So what they did with this, they became a Christian community, uh, kind of like a convent. However, the difference being is that these were not nuns. They were still considered uh, what they call lay women, which uh, lay, you know, you've heard, uh, if you've heard the term layman, it's somebody who's not necessarily an expert in that topic. What works the same in religion is that a lay woman or a lay man is basically just somebody who wasn't a member of the clergy. So they did not take any formal vows to become nuns. Yet, uh, these women who, who were known as uh, Beguines, and uh, later on men also started to do this as well, and they were called uh, beggars. Uh, they formed these communities, and what they did in these communities was in the morning they would meet, in these mornings, they would, uh, they would go over uh, a scripture, or they would go over, um, you know, just basically talk, talk about God, talk about the scripture, study it together, but then afterward, they would then go their own, into their own rooms, and they, you know, as a source of income, they would spin and sew uh, thread, but during that time, they would be reflecting on the scripture. So the, even these people who, these, these women who form these communities that are kind of like pseudo-convents in a way, uh, these lay women would meet in the morning and they would learn a little bit together, but then they would go into seclusion to contemplate the scripture. So these communities weren't necessarily a traditional church and they didn't have a formal kind of system. But the thing is, is eventually the Beguines received formal approval by the Pope in 1233. So even though these these were not traditional Christian communities, they brought something to the table that uh, eventually got approved, officially, formally approved by the Pope. What's amazing about this is this is before, uh, centuries before even Martin Luther came on the scene, who radically changed how we saw church itself. These women were already starting a trend here of being able to practice Christianity without necessarily being inside the church or even being members uh, of the clergy. And they were able to practice. So again, with with Christianity, just because you don't necessarily go to church every th single Sunday, or because you don't uh, fall into this mold, and and that's the problem too with uh, calling these people fairweather Christians or anything like that. You're putting them into this mold because you know, for instance, you know, we have to think about this. Uh, in, in our society, unfortunately, we live in a society that's very service-based. And service-based industries, you work on Sunday, period. You don't get Sundays off, you work on Sundays. If you don't work on Sundays, you don't work, period. And so there's really that choice between feeding your family or going to church. What are you going to pick? I mean, it even goes back to way back in history... Um, when, when the Christians were first getting persecuted uh, by the Romans. The Romans had this thing, uh, it was an Octavian uh, thing, which who became uh, Caesar Augustus. He was considered 
he was considered the son of God by the Romans, and he was supposed to be worshipped as a god. So what the Romans did uh, to the early Christians is they would basically walk in, there would be a statue of Caesar, and at any point in time, if you were past, if you were a Christian, or and really if you were anybody, and you were passing a Roman soldier, that Roman soldier could order you to kneel before Caesar and praise him. Now, anybody who's read scripture knows you do not worship idols, and you don't worship a god that is not God. But the thing is, is if they didn't do that, you know what would happen? They would get killed. Period. Now, at this time, there's, there's this, there's this uh, thought. Let's say you're the only breadwinner of the, your entire family. So if you die for believing in Christ and not bowing to Caesar, your whole family is going to starve to death. So what did they do? They figured it out. They said, you know what? It is, yes, it's important for us to believe in Christ. It's important for us to not worship other gods. But equally as important is being able to take care of our families. So here's what we're going to do. If a Roman soldier orders you to pay tribute to the statue of Caesar and to kneel before him and praise him, absolutely do it because you need to be there for your family. But, and here's your little bit of useless trivia for the day, but what you would do is you would take your index and your middle finger and you would make them into a cross and you would put them behind your back as you were praising Caesar to show that your true allegiance was still to Christ. So, there's your little bit of history that uh, works today. Whenever you cross your fingers and hold them behind your back, you know, the kids do that all the time where it's, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to do this, but really I'm not going to do it. So I have my hands behind or my, my, uh, my fingers crossed behind my back. That is where that originated from. It came from Christians who needed to still have a way to show that they were still true believers of Christ and stay alive for their families by bowing down to the statue of Caesar. And so th this kind of goes, uh, you know, even into modern times. Some of these people who only come on the holidays, that's the only time that they have off to come in to church. Now, I'm not saying that uh, that's necessarily the end-all-be-all excuse, and I'm not saying that it's... Um, something that's not sad, you know, because honestly, that is a terrible thing. When I worked retail, um, I think back, and if I had been a Christian during that time, I don't know what I would have done, because I would have, I would have had that need to still go to church. But even if they're not in retail, and church just isn't something that they go to all the time, um, another thing I wanted to bring up with this whole fair weather Christian thing, um, we go back, you know, we talk about talked about Matthew saying if two or three are gathered, he's there. It doesn't necessarily mean they're in church. You can be anywhere. 
And this even goes to people do house churches, uh, you know, that the person coming to to church on uh, Easter Sunday or Christmas, they might still go to church, but it's not a regular church building. It could be meeting their friends in their home and going over scripture. It could be, uh, there's this uh, website uh, called Life Church that they actually have church services online and you can even sign on with a name and talk about what's going on during the message. So you can even attend church online. There are uh, people who are experimenting with VR churches. There are some people who have um, agoraphobia who cannot leave to go to church. So they've been experimenting with this kind of VR church where they can still be with God and still be in that community. Because again, community is super important. And it's sad when people don't go to that, but there could be extenuating circumstances. So before you call people fair weather Christians or call people only holiday Christians, you got to get the context of what's going on. There are some people who just don't go because honestly, they haven't found a, they, they, they believe in God and they believe in Christ, but they haven't found a church that connects with them. And that's okay too, because you don't want to just be going to church to go to church. That's not what God wants. God does not want you to go to church if you don't want to go. If you don't want to go to, I'm going to say it again. If you don't want to go to church, don't go. God wants you to go to a church that you want to go to. He wants you to find a community that you want to be part of. And if that is not the standard stereotypical cross on, you know, on the lawn church, that's okay. That is perfectly fine. If you only want to go to that cross on the lawn church on holidays, absolutely go for it. But still seek out another community. You know, I still encourage you to do that. Uh, I'm going to go over a little more scripture because, you know, again, I'm talking about church being super important because at church you do learn you know, about the scripture and you do learn from others in that community as well. But something that uh, came up uh, when you're in church, uh, there was one where Paul was written the Romans and it's just, it's just one verse. It's uh, Romans uh, 10, uh, 17. And he says, so faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So right there, that's kind of an argument for going to church, right? Yes, church, you do hear that message and you can learn that message from going to church. But James also uh, warns uh, against only hearing. Uh, in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So church, again, is important for finding a community that works with you. Or I'm sorry, that works for you. But at the end of the day, it's what you do with what you've learned in the scripture and what God is telling you that is important. Just hearing the message is not doing the message. So 
even though you're going to church and even though you're hearing these things, if you're not doing them, that's really where you could say that somebody is necessarily a fair-weather Christian. Do you hear what I just said? Someone who goes to church, who just hears the message and doesn't become a doer of that message, those are the fair-weather Christians. Matthew also, in in Matthew, uh, also has in uh, chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Do you hear that? First seek, seek first the kingdom of God. doesn't say seek first the church of God. doesn't say seek first that building of God. It says seek first the kingdom of God. Of God. And the kingdom is not a building. It is not a building. Also, Matthew at the end, um, at the end, uh, gives this uh, great commission. And it's in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It doesn't say, I am with you in a building that has a choir or in a building that has a crucifix on the wall. It just says, I am with you always. That means even if you're not in church, he is with you. So again, church is great. It's a very important um, thing to find, and I encourage everybody to find a church that works for them. But at the end of the day, God is always with you, even if you're not always going to church. The Old Testament also talks about not necessarily things that have to do with church. Or back then, of course, it would just be the synagogue or the temple. Uh, it's in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It says, Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, not neglecting to gather together, which means that we should gather together, but... In the beginning, it just says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Now, calling somebody a holiday Christian or fair-weather Christian, are you practicing this particular passage in provoking love and good works? Somebody, again, who is not always going to church, we should be encouraging them to come back. You know, uh, John Christ has uh, this little skit about Easter and talking about, oh, do we have, you know, we have connect cards and, you know, make sure that the, uh, the attractive people are, uh, doing the welcome and, uh, things like that, right. To get people to keep coming. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's a true thing. You know, Easter has a lot of people who don't necessarily come to church all the time. And the big thing that you want to do is you want to encourage them to come back. If you don't see them all the time, 
what good is it to be like, oh yeah, I haven't seen you since last year. What are you doing? Why haven't you come to church? Does that ever work? And even if it does work, why are they coming to church then? Is it because they want to come and they want to learn about God and they want to be in his presence? Or are they just coming because they feel guilty because you called them out for not coming to church? So I'm going to finish that up with that thought and just say, you know, again, if you see somebody who is only going to church on the holidays, try to get the context of it before you make a reaction. You know, I go back again to the passage that I use for the ministry, and that's Proverbs 4, 7, and that is, the beginning of wisdom is this, gain wisdom, and though it costs everything you have, gain understanding. Before we judge the people who aren't going to church every Sunday, who may not even going be going to church every other Sunday or even once a month, and are only going during the holidays, we need to work to understand those people, and we need to figure out why they're not coming to church, and we have to understand that whatever their answer is, that's okay. We want to encourage them to come to church, and we want to show them that even though they're not coming to church all the time, we still love them, and we still want to help provoke them to do good works. And if they still are only coming one holiday at a time, try to make that holiday count. Instead of judging them and instead of calling them hypocritical or calling them not Christian or calling them fair weather Christian or holiday Christians, why don't we just call them brother or sister and welcome them and say, we are so glad that you're here. I want to thank you for listening to this episode and I want to say that we're going to be, I'm going to be going back to the normal Saturday uh, broadcast starting this week where we're going to go over what we were going to go over for the uh, pre-Easter podcast about just the source, Jesus, and also going over uh, how we have these feelings of crosses to bear. So I appreciate you listening to this. If you do like it, I'm going to welcome you to subscribe and feel free to like it. Uh, You can listen to me on whatever you're listening to me right now or any other podcast listening platform. We're also on YouTube and you can leave a comment right on there. Uh, Or you can listen directly from the website, schofieldministries.org. And if you have any questions or comments, you can just go to podcast at schofieldministries.org. I will welcome them and I would love to to see what you guys have to say. And if you really like the podcast, uh, I would ask that you become a monthly supporter. You can go to anchor.fm slash Schofield Ministries, and on there there's a little button that allows you to become a monthly supporter. Even a dollar a month does wonders to make sure that uh, I have the resources, that I can actually deliver these messages to you, and uh, make sure that the podcast stays up and running. Again, thank you so much for listening. I do hope that you listen to the next episode, and I cannot wait to give it to you.